This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Um, you know, tomorrow is Memorial Day, so let's not forget the reason we celebrate that, that the freedoms we get to enjoy, they're, they're free, but they weren't free. They cost a lot. So we celebrate all the the men and women of uniform that are serving now, but have also given their life for our nation. So, Lord, bless our nation today. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand real high. Our ushers would get you the Bible. Then go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1, we are on our series, The Call, dear. Uh, We're going to read out of the Bible, shocking. We're going to be in the Bible today, I promise you. So, I want you to get in the Word. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real I'm going to tell you, it's going to minister to our hearts this morning, just another area. So when we talk about our callings, our giftings, maybe your calling has been in storage. Maybe it's been on layaway. Maybe it needs to be revived or come back alive. And so the passages of scripture today, to start with, you'll, you'll begin to see this, that you may have a gift, you may have a calling, but that calling can be dormant and it needs to come alive. So we start here. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, Apostle Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he said, therefore I remind you, therefore I remind you, Timothy. Now, the initiative here, you're going to find out real quick, uh, of the soul is, is going to be stirred upon the recipient. And so he's telling Timothy, he said, I remind you, Timothy. Now, just stop for a second. You might as well put your name in there. I, I remind you, John. I, I remind you, Michael. I, so he's talking to us. And he said, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir up, excite, awake this gift, a, a, full, frame to re, a full flame to rekindle it. The gift which is in you. And so I believe every one of us have a gift that's within us. And so he goes on to say here, the way that gift comes alive is through the laying on of my hands. And so he's saying here, I I want your gift to be vibrant. it's, It's there, but it's dormant. It's just not doing anything. And so he's telling this young pastor this. It needs to come back alive. And maybe he's talking to us right now. And then he goes on to verse seven, and he says, for God. For God, because God, because God what? Has not given us a spirit of fear. The the Pension translation says, God will never give you the spirit of fear. The New International Version says, a spirit of timidity. Something that causes you to back down, to coward. Now in this situation, this young pastor was experiencing opposition. There was opposition from him, and it caused there to be a fear, the fear of it. Notice God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. So I'm looking in this book I have the other day about all the ways that fear can attack us. I bet there were over 50 different ways fear can attack us. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of heights, fear of water. I mean, the list is over and over and over again, but what I found out, that fear is real no matter what it is. 
And so if you'll note what the Apostle Paul said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So right there he tells us, fear is a spirit. So what happens to deal with the spirit of fear? I must deal with that in a spiritual way or in the spirit realm. You're not, you're not going to whip it any other way. And so this is part of it today to understand that maybe you're dominated by fear right now, but that's not the end of the story, okay? So God is not responsible for a spirit of fear, but look what God is responsible for. He said, but of power we have within us the power of God through the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. And he goes on to say, and of love, the perfect love of God, and of a sound mind. Now listen to some of the definitions of a sound mind. Good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, ability to understand and make right decisions, it includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. Wow. Could you use any of those? I said, I could use a lot of those. I could use that. And when we talk about self-discipline, he's talking about self-discipline in my mind, my mouth, my actions, my attitudes, and even my appearance. So when you look at what he talks about, power, love, and the soundness of mind, Applying these truths is what determines whether we overcome fear or fear overcomes us. I want you to understand right now, whatever type of fear is coming against you, it's real, okay? The spirit of fear is real. Go with me to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 probably already gives you a little idea of where we're going today, but the question is, you're going to Proverbs 29. What or who has you on the run today because of fear? Is there something in your life that fear just comes after you? Proverbs 29, and once you get there, I'll read in verse 25. Now listen to this one. The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man. What man can do to me? The message says the fear of human opinion, it disables. And so a lot of times we have a fear upon us because what other people say or think about us. And the truth is here, you can't please God and you can't please man at the same time. That's not going to happen, okay? And so he ends this verse and he says, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So fear and intimidation, they're, they're real. They'll try to hamper you. But remember here, if I just put my trust in God, God will help me. God will move within me. Now turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. And you probably got a pretty good idea right there that we're going to talk about something with fear today that has the ability to hamper your call, but also the fear of man. 1 Kings 17, and as I start here, I'm going to really start filling in the blank with some of the words here. So he says in first, verse 1, 1 Kings 17, 1, and Elijah. Elijah's name literally means Yahweh is Lord. 
Elijah was one of the most famous prophets of Israel. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of courage. I mean, he, he was bold with the grace of God. So this guy named, named Elijah, as I said, he was one of the most famous of them all, but this guy was one of two persons that never died. He never experienced death. That's in 2 Kings is where you can read about it. Well, what happened to him? Well, one day the Lord decided to, to take him to heaven. He did a Mary Poppins and just, he was out of here. Just, wouldn't that be a way to go? Get all your kids and grandkids and your great-great-kids and say, now listen, I want you to serve God all your life and I'll see you in the heaven. Wave bye to him. This is the same Elijah that as the Lord Jesus went up on the hill, the, man, the Mount of Transformation, it was Jesus, Peter, James, John, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah appeared. So this guy was a man of God, Elijah was. Keep reading. And Elijah the Tishbite has the meaning he was from a, a city or an area called Tishbe. Now, you may not think that has insight, but the word Tishbe actually relates to two words, to return and repent. Oftentimes, you would see this happen in Elijah's ministry. He would tell people, it's time to return God, to return to God, and the way you do that, you got to repent. So Elijah, the Tishbite, and it goes on to say, of the inhabitants of Gilead, he said to Ahab, who's Ahab? Ahab is one of the kings of Israel. Now this guy named Ahab, he may have been the, the most wicked king that Israel ever had. He was rooted in Baal worship, false gods. Okay, This is who Ahab is. So it says here, so he said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years except at my words. So he shows up unexpected. And he makes this bold announcement to Ahab. And he really wasn't making this bold announcement to Ahab. It was actually aimed at the false gods of Baal because they all believed that the Baals controlled the rain. They were wrong. So he says to Ahab, he said, hey, not going to rain for three years, buddy. Bold. But when he says that, it puts his life into danger right there somewhat. So God takes him out in the wilderness for three years. He's out in the wilderness, and God does some incredible miracles with him. The first one he does is he fed him morning and evening with bread and meat every evening. And the way he did that was with the ravens. Now think about that just a second. There was no DoorDash. There was no Uber Eats. Can you imagine sitting there and all of a sudden this raven comes dropping in? And he, that's a miracle. You wonder if God will do stuff in these last days like that. 
Here's a thought for you. I don't know that you'll ever go hungry if you'll just believe God. He may start showing up with the ravens. Wow, wouldn't that be something? So not long after that, the Lord moves him on. He's still hungry again. He comes in contact with this Gentile widow. He tells her, I need you to feed you. And the Gentile widow says, listen, I've got enough oil and enough flour to make one last meal for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Oh, happy day. But Elijah says, listen, if you'll just give me what you have, if you'll feed me, God will take care of you, the principle of the first, the principle of the last. And so she feeds him, and guess what? God gives her abundance. He gives her more food than she could ask for. Not long after that, this Gentile widow's son is on the verge of death. I think he's already died. She calls Elijah and says, you got to do something. So Elijah, a man of prayer, he starts calling out to God. And the Bible says that he laid on top of this guy. Nothing happened. He did it three times. And the third time, life came back into that kid. Here's an interesting fact for you. Many believe this young man that he revived is the future prophet, Jonah. Wow. Never know what what God's going to do with people. So after this takes place, this is all in chapter, chapter 18. Or chapter, yeah, it was chapter 17. Look at verse 24, the last verse of that chapter. Then this woman said to Elijah, by this I now know that you're a man of God. She sees how he, he does the food. How he raised her son from the dead. And this woman said, This woman said, you're you're a man of God. In other words, Elijah didn't have to promote himself. Elijah didn't have to, to brag on himself. This woman said, you're a man of God. And she goes on to end and says, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. In other words, Elijah, when you speak exactly the word you speak, it happens. So you see, he's a man of God. Chapter 18, verse 1. Now it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So he shows back up to Ahab and says, hey, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. But remember the word Tishbi or Tishbite, it had the meaning to return and to repent. So he begins to go after him. He begins to go after uh, Ahab, and he goes after the people of Israel right here. Now, I want you to read some things here when they start in verse 19. 1 Kings 18, 19. He said, now therefore, and he's saying this to Ahab, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel. Bring the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Now he was bold. He didn't back off. He didn't apologize. And so he goes after the Israelites right here and he says, 
the times of you two-timing God, the times of you guys straddling the fence, the, the times of you guys being double-minded, it's over. You want the blessing of God, you just don't want God. And so he challenges them. Now, if you think about all the numbers, it's all the Israelites, and there's this massive group of these false prophets. But he didn't back off. Verse 24. So he says, Then you shall call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he's God. So he tells them, this is what we're going to do. So they erect on this altar all this wood. And, and Elijah says, you false prophets of, of Baal, you go first. And so through the story, and I'm just paraphrasing now, it says from morning to noon, they called on these false gods, but they never showed up. They started dancing. They never showed up. They began to cut themselves. They never showed up. So Elijah, he's bold. He begins to mock them. He begins to laugh at them. He begins to talk a bunch of junk to them. He said, is your gods asleep? Are your gods on a potty break? What's up with your gods? And after a while, he said, enough. So he tells all these guys, throw water all over that wood. He said, no, once, twice, drench all these, these offerings right here with water. And then he knows when he's going to call on his God. God's getting ready to have a big firework display. Not, nothing like we've ever seen on the 4th of July. So he calls on God and boom, it all blows up. I mean, it blows up. And, and remember, Elijah, he's, he's like he's by himself there and he's looking at him. Bold with the things of God. After he does that, he kills all those false prophets of Baal. He kills them. So we see the boldness of this prophet, this man of God. But we go to 1 Kings 19. And I say as we go to 1 Kings 19, this is one of the most strange accounts of all. And let me back up. I got ahead of myself just a hair. After he kills all those false prophets, him and his servant boy, they march up Mount Carmel. So Mount Carmel is up here. Where they were at was in this place called the Kishon River, the Jezreel Valley. They go up on Mount Carmel. Remember, the word of the Lord came to him and said, go tell Ahab it's going to rain. He goes up on Mount Carmel and he gets in prayer position. Sticks his head between his knees and he starts calling out on God. And sometimes we have this thought, well, if God promised the rain, then why should he pray? Well, what happens is when God promises stuff, we pray it through. We just keep praying until we see it. God promises me and you all kinds of things, but we got to pray for those things. We ask God to move in our life. How many of you in here think God wanted to rain on Lubbock, Texas? I believe he wanted to rain on Lubbock, Texas, but it didn't rain on Lubbock, Texas until a bunch of people started praying. And now I'm having to backtrack a little. I said, Lord, I like the rain, but can you space it out a little bit? Just, just a little bit. I, I don't want to sound like I'm not appreciative, God. 
So he's up there in prayer position. He tells his little servant, go look toward the Mediterranean and tell me what you see. The little guy comes back and says, I don't see nothing. He says the second time, nothing. He comes back the sixth time, nothing. And he's looking at Elijah thinking, dude, what are you smoking? Every time I go up there, there's nothing. But he goes back the seventh time. He comes back and he tells Elijah, I see the cloud of a, of a man's hand coming up out of the ocean. Now think about this. In comparison to the ocean, a man's hand's not very big. But when he sees that hand, you know what he does? He runs and he tells Ahab, Ahab, you better get your umbrella. You better get your rain boots because it's fixing to rain. And it did. So we see this great man of God, his prayers, his boldness, his action. But now we get to 1 Kings 19. And again, this is one of the strangest stories in all the Bible to me. But it's real. Verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel. Who's Jezebel? Jezebel is the witch on the Wizard of Oz. She's the wicked witch of the east, the west, the north, the south, all combined into one. She is the description of evil. She is the one who introduced her husband to the Baal worship. And so Ahab, he told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. He said, listen, Jez, listen. He said, when the guy says it's going to rain, it rains. When the guy says it's not going to rain, it doesn't rain. When the guy calls on God, he shows up with a firework display. Every time I hear him, he's doing something. So he goes on to say, also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods, the false gods, do to me and more also, if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So you know what she does? She makes an oath. And she threatens him. She gives him words that threaten him. She said, if it's the last thing I do, tomorrow about this time, you're going to be dead, buddy. Now, oftentimes, the way the spirit of fear begins to try to come after me and you is through a threat. Maybe a words of another human being. Maybe a threat from the enemy, the devil, that I'm coming after you. Now remember, this, this is a man that we've seen in action. And so when she makes this threat, watch what he does in verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life and he went to Beersheba. The New Living said... He was afraid and he fled because fear, the, the spirit of fear of man, it gripped him. The first sign of the spirit of fear can come from a threat. The second symptom, it'll put you on the run. It will bring a thing called flight. It'll put me to flight. Now let me ask you something. Have you had any threats that really, really bothered you? 
moved you? But even more so, did it lead to you fleeting? Is there something right now in your life that's affiliated with the spirit of fear that has put you on the run? I'm not slapping. You got to realize this guy with every one of us. There's certain attacks of the spirit of fear that usually come on us. You know, when I first started preaching, man, I'm telling you, I, I, I would hide. I had a big old pulpit, and I'd hide behind that pulpit almost. Man, if you would have seen my legs, they were clanking together. And, and when we moved into this building, I can still do it to this day. When I would speak, there's exit signs over those back doors right there. That's how I'd look. I'd always look at those two exit signs. That way I didn't ever have to look at people. You know why? Because I was afraid. I was in fear. I, I remember early in the ministry, the, 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 the devil put a threat toward me, and he said, I'm going to tell everybody in the church what you did. I was like, oh, my gosh. They'll fire me overnight. Do you know what I did? I said, you're not going to tell them anything. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them all my screw-ups. The spirit of fear. So that's the first symptom right there. Keep reading. He arose and he fled for his life, went to Berseba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. Verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broom tree. Now, if you read into this right here, the second, the third symptom of fear it caused him to become fatigued. His thinking became foggy. He, he became confused. Depressed is what this literally means. He, he sat down and, and sometimes that takes place with us. We become spiritually wore out. Where I, I don't have nothing. Anybody ever been there where you're like, I don't have nothing. I'm running on empty spiritually. This is how he was. So she threatens him, puts him on the run. Now he's fatigued, but it doesn't end there. And I tell you this because I believe this is the process the spirit of fear will use. And it goes on to say, he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed. Now when I read this, he prayed. I'm like, that a boy, Elijah, that a boy. But it says here, and he prayed that he might die. Wait a minute. Time out. This is the man of God. This, this is the prophet. And all of a sudden you get, he, he's backtracking. He says, I'm going to pray that I, I die. I, I'm so depressed. Now, here's the thing with this. You don't want to play around with the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear will try to put you in the grave. I don't care who you are. And you may be here right now and you say, I'm depressed. You may be in here right now and you may say, I have had thoughts or tendency towards suicide. Don't blow it off, okay? Don't do that. Just as the spirit of fear was real to the prophet Elijah, this happens with us. So he goes on to say, he prayed that he might die, and he said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Wow. 
Man, every time I read that, I look like, it's amazing what, what the spirit of fear did to him. Verse 8. So he arose, he ate and drank, and he went the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights as far as the word of the mountains of God. And when he got to the mountain of God, there he went into a cave. You know why he went into a cave? To hide. To hide. Any of you hiding right now? Have you ever hid before? Have you ever hid behind your pulpit? I have. We go into hiding. Thinking we can escape the, the, the spirit of fear by hiding. It's kind of like as a kid when it starts thunder and lightning and you pull the covers up over your head. Why? I'm afraid. As if those covers could protect you. See, when you read into this, you realize how foggy his mind had become his thinking because of the spirit of fear. But remember, God hadn't given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a spirit of, of a sound mind. So he goes on to say, and there he went into the cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what you doing here, Elijah? What you doing here? In other words, why have you fled from your mission why have you fled from your calling? Why have you allowed this crazy, wicked witch to put you on the run through a spirit of fear? God says, what you doing here? And so through a course of events right here, God speaks to him in what he calls a still, small voice. A still, small voice. God still speaks to people that way. And you say, I've never heard from God like that. Well, the only way you hear the still small voice is you've got to spend time with the Lord. It's kind of like when Shelly calls me on the phone. When I answer, I don't say, who is this? And I hang up. No, when she says, hello, I know who it is. Why? I've been married 42 years next week. We have our newest newlyweds. You two stand up. Stand up. Obey, obey. This is Paul and Faith. Hey, yeah, clap. They've been married eight days. They're newlyweds. Me and Shelly have been married 42 years. We're oldieweds. Where did I get off on my thinking here? Okay, back there. I know her voice. The still small voice. Some of you have heard me talk about this in the last couple weeks. About five weeks ago, I, I really, when I would hear the scripture, be still and know I'm God. How, how many of you ever heard that verse? Be still and know I'm God. I've heard that verse a long time. But... Just sincerely, I, I, I really don't know that I really tapped into it like God wanted me until about five weeks ago. And when he says, be still and know I'm God, that doesn't mean you got to get into a closet for eight hours, okay? But what God began to show me when he would say, be still and know I'm God, 
I would just come right here and I would sit right here. I sit right here on this corner often and I would get real still before God and I get real quiet. Sometimes I'd only be there a minute. And I begin to realize when the Lord says, be still and know I'm God, you know what he's saying? Just pause. Just pause in your life. Just, just tell life, time out, life, time out. I'm taking a pause break. And, and, and get real still and quiet before the Lord. And even ask the Lord, say, Lord, put my mind in neutral. Have you ever done that? That's not easy. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to get these things that are called God thoughts. And so he visits Elijah with the still, small voice. These God thoughts. Verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. What's a mantle? It was this sleeveless garment they would put on. The better definition of the mantle that I can give you, it signified his authority. When God calls you, he gives you authority with it. Think about the authority that we had seen Elijah use when he would pray, when he would confront him. It was with authority. When God says it's going to rain, Ahab, it's going to rain. And so the Lord tells him, he said, Elijah, pick back up that mantle. Put back on your authority. Well, what does that look like to me and you? Well, the, the disciples said in Luke 10, 10, 17, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. My authority is the name of Jesus. Do you know he's given me any authority? And the Lord in a still small voice will say to this to me at times, you're putting up with stuff you shouldn't put up with. What do you mean? Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys. You know what the keys are? Authority. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Have you been any loosening and binding lately? And we got to get busy. I can do that. If you're born again, you use the name of Jesus, okay? So he said, pick up your mantle. Get back up. And he goes on to say, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the gate, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The second time, he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? It's time to get up. It's time to stir up that gift. What are you doing here? Verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go return, go return, go return to your call. Go return to your assignment. Do you know, right after he said this to him, he gave him three more assignments. You know what that showed me? The spirit of fear wanted to kill him, but God said, I'm not done with you. I still got assignments for you. See, when I read these things, I believe God's wanting to stir gifts up. Do you know in Isaiah 61, he uses the anointing a lot, and he said, I've anointed you to set the captives free. You know what that literally means? There's an anointing from God through the power of the Holy Spirit that's greater than the, the, the spirit of intimidation and fear. Do you know later on in Isaiah 61, he said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The word heaviness there means discouragement. 
Let me ask you something right now. Anybody in here need to be set free? Don't raise your hand. Anybody in here got some discouragement? See, if we're truthful about a lot of this, we'd all say, yeah, that, that, that describes me. But the Lord said also in Isaiah 54, he said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will succeed. Anything that rises against you, I'll condemn it. See, off of this, did you see how the spirit of fear got him off his call? That's why I said the spirit of fear is real. You don't want to play with the fear. You don't play with that. But I must confront it. How do I confront it in the name of Jesus? What you don't confront won't change. But I confront it in the name of Jesus. So what would begin to happen if we just said, Father God, I welcome power and love and a sound mind. I, I thank you. Today you're going to do something within me. Why don't you stand up here? Stir the gift. Stir the gift. So I ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Maybe you're here today. The spirit of fear has come after you. I don't, I don't care if you think you're the physically toughest man in Lubbock. The fear of God, or the fear of man is not a respecter of persons. The spirit of fear will come after you. But when I talked about the spirit of fear, remember he said in Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man is a, is a trap. It's a snare. Is there something that's been spoken toward you today that has got you on the run? Is there some form of fear today that you're on flight? You're fatigued? You're confused? You're depressed? Is there some form of a spirit of fear that's got you believing, I'm going to kill you? See, that's not a slap in any of our faces. That's why the apostle Paul said to him, God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. God's not the author of that, okay? God is the author of, of power, love, and a soundness of mind. And so if you're here today and you say, man, I, I, I got some of those symptoms God wants to set you free. He, he came to set the captives free. So it's, it's like the Lord said, I don't want you to leave here today without it. I don't want you to leave here without being touched today. And so our team's going to sing. And this, this isn't condemnation that comes here, guys. That's why I told the stories of my own life with fear. With fear. You know, as a young boy, we'd go to the state park and we would swim. 
it had these big cliffs, some of the biggest cliffs you, you can imagine for a swimming pool. And they had these ones really low. Well, we would jump off of those as little bitty guys. They weren't much. But when you would get to the Goliath, the big one, you would go up there. And man, it's me and my brother and a bunch of cousins. We'd go up there and we'd look off and then we'd pee ourselves and we'd back off. And oh man, I'm not doing, not today, not today. And the next time we'd go, we'd look off week by week. And so, man, I mean, we looked, the spirit of fear would eat us up as a little boy. And I remember one day I was looking off and, and my brother helped me defeat the spirit of fear. He shoved me in. Like I cried all the way till I hit the water. Ah! I hit and I swam to the side, got out, walked up, and I looked at all of them, and then I just jumped off on my own. See, maybe today, the Holy Spirit wants to give you a little shove. Say, I got you. I got you. Come on, let's raise our hands here to heaven on this, guys. Father God, we love you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you go to work right now in our hearts, every one of us. And if there's any form of a spirit of fear that's, that's dominated us, we surrender to you. So I'm going to open these altars. And I, I welcome you to come in. Don't play around with this, okay? Allow God to move in your life. And I believe this with all my heart right now. There's someone watching on live stream, and you have been running. You've, you've been running. The spirit of fear has got you on the run, and, and you know who I'm talking to. I, I don't know who you are, but the Holy Spirit does. Surrender right now and say, that's me, that's me. And so as they sing, I, I welcome you down here, and we're going to go ahead and come, and we're going to ask God to move in our life to start. That's the first thing we're going to do. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.